Greetings and welcome to Stamper Cinema. I am your host. My name is Andrew. Thank you very much for tuning in on the special Memorial Day edition of Stamper Cinema. And today we've got we've got a heavy hitter. We're we're going to be talking about something massive. We're going to be talking about the 1986 blockbuster classic legendary film that is Top Gun. Directed by Tony Scott, starring Tom Cruise. And I got to tell you, I mean, there's only one person when I thought about this movie. And by the way, I mean, the whole idea of this podcast is you choose it. I watch it. We discuss it. But not this episode. I chose this episode. This is one that I wanted. I'm so excited to talk about it. And naturally, I have to bring the ultimate wingman, Mr. John Rowe. What is going on, Bones? How are you, man? Oh, I'm great, man. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me, dude. This is a big movie. Um, and I, I rewatched it recently. Um, it's a Navy movie. I was like, it's kind of got college vibes to it. Is it a buddy, you know, a buddy movie? But no, it's I think it's a Navy movie. It is a Navy uh, movie. And you're for, you're in the Navy. So I, I think you're going to have a lot of insight, a lot of things to learn. Uh, so I'm ready to go, man. All right, well, let's 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 fucking get right into it. I mean, I don't want to waste any time. This is going to be an episode that we're going to be pulling out like all the all the big stuff. So let's begin. Obviously, we were talking about the 1986 Tony Scott film Top Gun. Uh, Tony Scott, for those keeping score at home, obviously did this movie, did Beverly Hills Cop 2, Days of Thunder, Last Boy Scout, True Romance, Crimson Tide, Enemy of the State. Man on Fire, Deja Vu, Spy Game, uh, Taken to the Pelham, one, two, three. I mean, just big film after big film, right? Uh, brother, believe it or not, of Ridley Scott, if you didn't know that. Uh, written by writer duo team of Jim Cash and Jack Epps. They did several films. This, without question, is the, their biggest film that they ever did. Although, I mean... Secret of My Success had some success. Turner and Hooch has uh, gained some life, obviously. Dick Tracy is a notorious uh, flop. And then John Rose, one of his absolute favorite movies, Anaconda, is oh, written by, yeah. this, uh, by this tool. Oh, man. Well, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. Great cast in that, too. Ice Cube, you know, Jeffrey Lopez. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. John Voight. Great cast. Man, great cast. You've, gone, you've just gone over a list of, like, amazing just tons of movies right there tons and yeah. tons of great movies yeah like to, uh, like and this movie right off the bat looks very very tony scott i mean the the classic font that is used for top gun and then like the opening credits and kind of the 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 filters that he used i mean it just has a very distinct tony scott look to this movie but it's not all just tony scott obviously I mean, this is a big collaborative process right i mean it was based on an article that appeared in shit. I wish I could remember the magazine. I want to call it like California, but um, back in 83, there was an article written by um, Ehud uh, Yone and it was called Top Guns. And they, they created a movie that we now know of as Top Gun star, Tom Cruise, Val Kilmer, Tom Skerritt, Michael Ironside, uh, Anthony Edwards, who else? Uh, Tim Robbins. Pardon me? Oh, uh, then Kelly McGinnis. Yeah, Kelly McGillis. Oh. Yep. Uh, but, uh, and then yeah, Slider. Nice little Ryan. Ryan scene. Yeah. Uh, Did I see Tim Robbins? Tim Robbins is in it. He actually, 
he actually has more of a role than I remembered. And whenever I watched it back, because he is, he's the guy who helps, you know, bring Maverick back at the beginning scene to, you know, he's Cougar's wingman. So when Tom Cruise needs a wingman later on, cause Goose can't be there. He's a natural fit to go with them. Um, and I kind of got one thing I noticed was like, when the MIG's on him, Tom Cruise is like, I'm not going to leave my wingman. It's just like, well, Cougar didn't go to Top Gun. He didn't learn. You never leave your wingman. And this show is a little miss. Anyways, Tim Robbins. That's my last time. Tim Robbins. You've got a little like Tim Robbins vibe yourself, you know? Yeah, yeah, I like him. Well, I think I got a goose vibe, too. I got a tall, I got whatever a tall vibe is. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever tall vibe is. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, everybody everybody knows this movie, but just to steal the the plot summary from Rotten Tomatoes, I'm just going to like read it verbatim. Obviously, with, if you followed our Star Wars episodes, we've kind of done the crawl. So I'm just going to take the general plot from Rotten Tomatoes. So this is not my writing, but the Top Gun Naval Fighter Weapons School is where the best of the best train to refine their elite flying skills. When hotshot fighter pilot Maverick, played by Tom Cruise, is sent to the school, his reckless attitude and cocky demeanor put him at odds with the other pilots, especially the cool and collected Iceman, played by Valkomer. But Maverick isn't only competing to be the top fighter pilot. He's also fighting for the attention of his beautiful flight instructor, Charlotte Blackwood. I didn't know her name was actually Charlotte. Um, played by Kelly McGillis, call sign Charlie. Char- yeah, they mainly call her Charlie through the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, pretty basic Easy plot. Of course, one thing that we that we miss is something that you're a big uh, um, observer of is how Tom Cruise always has that that in his films that the shadow of the dead father. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a I think he always and everybody has a father. You know, that's one thing I got to recognize is everybody has a father. Just generally him in Days of Thunder left him and uh he's always got a problem with his father risky business you know he's kind of got an okay relationship with his father but uh a few good men yeah his father was that it was dead in that as well yeah a few good men um yeah because i was jack nicholson yeah the firm i bet his dad was dead in probably cocktails (laughs) his uncle teaches him you know everything um but yeah tom cruise it's a role but this is his best role Perhaps like he did such a good job of being a kid who didn't have a father and living up to father's expectations. Writers just started writing that as his character. Mm. Just did such a good job with it. Um, But yeah, I mean, before getting to some of the actors, the other things I think is it Don Simpson and Jerry Jerry Bruckheimer. Bruckheimer. I mean, that's the other guy where it's like, it's not just Tony Scott. It's like, this feels like a Jerry Bruckheimer film. Oh, for sure. Um, For sure. But um, um, so, yeah. And then, Michael Ironside, who just like in the eighties, like movies like t- yeah, like Total Recall and stuff like that, or he's in Highlander. Uh, him, Tom Skerritt, um, some of the best m- mustaches I would say you could find. In the movie. <laughs> so we went, we did soundtracks. Man, the music's really good in this. Oh, we'll uh, definitely cover the soundtrack in this episode. Um, yeah, I mean the crawl. The, the crawl. You know, uh, that's what we got. So obviously I mentioned at the outset, this movie came out in 1986, which is a big year, not just in cinema, but in American history. I don't know if you, how old would you have been in 86? Like two? One. One? Yeah. One. I'm, I'm a January baby, uh, but I was born in 85. So almost one to one. Mm-hmm. Now, so you don't, you don't remember a lot of this stuff. Now, this is where I'm a grandfather at this point. Well, not literally, but like figuratively. 
1986, here are just a few things that happened. So the Chernobyl explosion, that, that was one thing that happened actually on my birthday in 1986. So on my seventh birthday, Chernobyl happens. Um, Challenger exploded in January of 1986. What else happened? Halley's Comet, the closest point that it ever, you know, that it reached um, in the 20th century was in 1986. The Oprah Winfrey show debuted nationally. And then lastly, Phantom of the Opera made its premiere. Oh, and then the, the fame, uh, the famous uh, ball through the legs of Bill Buckner in the 1986 World Series where the Red Sox went mm. on to uh, talk about the, the curse of, uh, of the Bambino where they were, they were one out away from winning the, winning the World Series, but the ball goes right through the first baseman's legs. It ends up going to a game seven. The New York Mets win, breaks the heart of all the Red Sox fans. So big, huge year in 1986. And this was without question the top selling film in the box office that year. Are there any other contenders? Not really. So in 1986, this was the number one. It made about 176 to $180 million domestically, about 360 worldwide. Now, I mean, those were big numbers for its time. I mean, if you were to adjust that for inflation, I mean, it'd probably be closer to 200, $300 million. But also the, the, the top five of that year, you would have had Crocodile Dundee. That's a fun one. Yeah. Karate Kid Part Three. Yeah. The people would have phased out by then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That wouldn't, that wouldn't have had as much legs. Okay. Back to School was the fourth biggest film of the year and it made $91 million. Did you ever see that movie, Rodney Dangerfield? Yeah. But I, I, cause he's such a similar character in his movies. I think I can get cross movie. Right. Like, uh, because wasn't he in another college one and stuff other than back to school, like PCU or something? Or- he, was, he wouldn't have been in PCU, but it's possible he was in something else. And then rounding out the top five would have been Aliens, which made $85 million at the box office. Oh, that's probably that's probably my next favorite. Yeah. I like Aliens. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what else do you need to know? Budget had the, the film had a pretty modest budget, $15 million. Really? And yeah. Which I, mean, I guess the whole opening scene is him just like a day shooting, you know, Navy people working, but he just does it in a really cool way. He's just like, how can I make these job this job look super cool? And you know, you think it's all about the pilots, but it really starts with like the Navy crew who actually sends them up. And you see how much fun they're working and doing. Um, it's more of a just a team effort uh, than just pilots. Now, uh, Bruckheimer and Don Simpson, they actually had to get permission from the Pentagon to be able to film on the aircraft carrier as well as show like the the uh, the actors in like the, the cockpits and everything. And they basically had to pay the the Pentagon or really, you know, they paid the Pentagon two million dollars to be able to use actual um, Navy stuff. So this movie was authorized by United States government and which is kind of, kind of wild. Um, it's not necessarily an out and out recruiting film, but the movie kind of was used as a form of like recruitment. The, there was an influx of about 500%, uh, after this movie came out of people joining that number. I was curious if, if, you know, I figured recruiting would have gone up and stuff like that. Who wouldn't want to go join the I want to go join the Navy. I think I'm too old, though. I don't think they'll have them anymore. But, um, uh, yeah, no, that's in a lot of movies have been used since. I think the Navy or just the military and Hollywood have uh, 
helped each other out over the mm-hmm. probably you know since this film or I can't think of too many before that that people would have seen and maybe Audie Murphy or something like that. Mm. Uh, Cause if you judge it with like the Vietnam movies, like who wants to go be in full metal jacket? Right. <laughs> like, I'm doing that. <laughs> I guess you didn't, you join the Navy after watching that movie. It's really funny that you brought that up. We may have covered it before, but for those that didn't listen, I, I immediately joined the Navy after doing a double feature of full metal jacket and aliens. Now, both yeah. of those movies were about Marines, <laughs> but literally after watching like a double feature one night, like the next day, I went to the recruiter and I said, I think I want to join the Navy. Do you have any roles for writers? And he's like, well, shit, I think we've got a journalist position. I said, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the rest is history. I was a journalist in the United States Navy. Yeah, I can remember a recruiter calling me in high school once. I don't know if they can still do that now or if it was something you had to sign up for. But he called me and I was just like, yeah, I'm like 6'4". He's like, oh, so you'd probably be one of the guys carrying like a real big gun walking around. Like, it's like, man, I don't want to be shot at. <laughs> like, I think he was trying to entice me. Like, it'd be cool. Like I'd, I'd you know, get a high off of like walking around with a big gun in my hand or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope he's doing okay, but he wasn't that great of a recruiter. <laughs> I hope he's doing okay. He's somewhere out there. Yeah. Yeah, he should have taken me to see Starship Troopers like my dad did. That would have gotten me into the military. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, um, yeah. So just one final little kind of like stat for the film. Often I, I refer to Rotten Tomatoes because it's just a good barometer of what what people thought at the time and you know what the audiences thought. So it was mostly positive, but it still fell under the 60 percent threshold. This movie has a 56 percent rating on on Rotten Tomatoes, which 56. I know 56 by the critics. Okay. Again, this is by the critics. Okay. Now, do you think it's higher or lower by the audience? Oh, higher by the audience. Yep. You're looking at an 83% from the audience. Okay. Now, the biggest reason why this film was very mixed is the kind of the, the, the relationship, you know, the, the characters, which I found interesting, but that's one of the things that the critics didn't like. For example, uh, who is it? Roger Ebert. One of the few actual reviews I was able to find from 1986 without a paywall was something from uh, Roger Ebert, where he wrote movies like Top Gun are hard to review because the good parts are so good and the bad parts are so relentless. The dogfights are absolutely the best since Clint Eastwood's electrifying aerial scenes in Firefox, but look out for the scenes where people talk to one another, (laughs) which, you know, I, 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 I kind of see it, but at the same time, I also disagree because I, I love the characters in this movie. I think this movie is such a, like a quotable film and mm-hmm. I wanted to look into that. Like, well, man, you know, there's some really great stuff, but according to like Anthony Edwards, the screenplay was pretty like skeletal. So what they did is not necessarily totally improv, but a lot of it was kind of decided by Tony Scott and things that they were doing. Um, like the great balls of fire, like scene. Anthony Edwards had no idea that was even going to be in the movie. That wasn't, that wasn't part of the script. It's just something that Tony Scott woke up one day and said, well, you know, I just heard great balls on great balls of fire uh, today. So I think we're going to put that in film. And that's what happened. I was thinking about that when I rewatched it and how, like, I think today I'd be kind of pissed if I saw like a guy just playing the piano. And, like, <laughs> I was like, go to my favorite bar. And then there's just like some random stranger. He plays pretty well, though. Plays um, pretty well. 
it plays pretty well, but I, I also think I'd be like, man, why is this guy, why is this guy banging away on the piano today? And yet everywhere you go in public, you you sing rather loudly in front of whether you know them or you don't. That's true. That's true. I got a lot of goose in me. I, I think I can be a bit embarrassed. I don't know. We're, we're going to talk it topic. But uh, yeah, um, I think more with like Kelly McGinnis and Tom Cruise and their love story where it's like, I don't actually even know if she really has a love story. I think he just plays hard to get and she just wants to know about the MIG. She's always asking about the MIG. Tell me about the MIG. Tell me about that. That's what I'm interested in. Um and she kind of seduces it, this young man. It, but I almost thought he went and got her job because she was going to take off and he got the job at Top Gun. But I can see within their characters, like he goes and visits her house. Then he takes off. Then he sees her in the elevator. And it seems like they'd hooked up, but they didn't really hook up. And it just kind of seems like their love their love life isn't really on the same page as the, where the story is. Because um, like she takes him to Goose's, like, to big up Goose's stuff. And she sees him like the next day and it's just like, Hey there, like they hadn't seen each other in like three weeks and stuff like that. I hear you're leaving. Um, right. So either way, maybe that's what they're, they're picking out is um, maybe. Well, that, I mean, it, you, you raised something interesting because I believe I had read somewhere that in the original screenplay and like the original shooting, there wasn't like any real romance or at least there wasn't any like sex scenes or romance scenes in that. That was something that after a test screening, the audiences are like, you know, they need to hook up, right? Mm-hmm. You need to hook up. And, and so the other thing that paired with that, believe it or not, and uh, we'll, again, this is going to be very, very organic because I've got, I've got a lot of, a lot of thoughts on this movie because I'm, I'm really, really jazzed about it, but it ties into the Berlin song, Take My Breath Away, that everybody loved that song. And like, we need to use this more. So that, that song appears in the film two, maybe three times. I don't know if it's three, but certainly at least two times in the movie. And it coincides with, you know, with, uh, with, with the romance element that one, the audience wanted. And two, the filmmakers are like, man, this is a fucking great song. And we need more of that. So just to build up that chemistry. Well, I think that's where and when we get into music, the incorporation with the music to set scenes, the first time you hear the little court, uh, the little, I don't know, the baseline or whatever to Berlin, it's whenever he leaves the volleyball game and he's going over to her house for like the first date. So you get the sound of their little song. And then later on, you get the chorus and everything during the love scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the hokiest love scenes I've ever seen. I don't know. <laughs> but maybe I'm not the right guy to be the expert on that. But, um, but the song's great. And every time I hear the song, I think about Tom Cruise and Kelly McGinnis. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean... So regarding the love scene, uh, kids, if you're listening, do not French kiss like they did in that movie. That's just it's it looks great on camera ish, I guess. I don't know, but that's not how how it's done. You know, just uh, yeah, don't don't eat your your partner's face like a kind they do of do a lot of that. Like, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm, maybe I'm making out wrong, but I'm fairly confident. That's, that's, that's not it. Again, I think just to hype up that passion and it's, and you know, it's Maverick. He, he, he does things a little bit different. He's cocky. He's arrogant. So of course he's going to basically swallow uh, Kelly McGillis's face. Flies by the seat of his pants, man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, speaking of that arrogance, I mean, he literally leaves a volleyball game 
with his buddies and goes over to this chick's house, completely sweaty ass. He's been wearing jeans, sans Lord knows where. Mm-hmm. And then he goes over and he's like, hey, can I, uh, you make me food and I'm going to go take a shower. Go take a shower. She, no, no. He, she's like, one, you're late. I, I wrote on the piece of paper, sharp. Mm-hmm. And you're late. But it's cute because later on, he just, like, I think that really shows like her experiences, his a bit of inexperience. And it does to me, I think it adds to their the cute little romance they have between each other. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's a great scene. It's just so funny. Like the, the balls that it would take for somebody like on <laughs> their first date, mind you, just yeah. to show up at, at, you know, at a girl's house and say, hey, uh, go make me food yeah. and I'm going to go take a shower. Yeah, I hope you have a change of clothes for me, too. But I mean, it works out in the end. Yeah, have a change of clothes for me. Yeah, uh, it works out. He, he gets the girl. I mean, it's certainly better than like a first date I had where a girl came over. She's like, I'm going to make you chicken parm. I know you love chicken parm. Poor thing, like undercooked the chicken. I slice into it and it's still like very pink on the inside. And it was scary for me and horrific for her. Just like the embarrassment, like, oh, shit, I just completely undercooked, uh, cooked a chicken. but. It still worked out. We we had a we had a we had a lovely time. But that's pretty extensive for a first date. Mm-hmm. That's, that's pretty serious. I mean, that was only the, the first half of the date. Um, but anyway, we'll we'll uh, we'll we'll talk. We'll move on to something entirely different. Don't want to go off subject. But speaking of romance, let's talk about that soundtrack. I mean, again, we've got a lot we're going to be covering. But I think a podcast at least twenty minutes in, you gotta you gotta talk about that 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 soundtrack. Yeah, I mean, you got that, like the iconic Top Gun song at the beginning, and then it just kicks right in to my Kenny Loggins, like Highway to the Danger Zone, you know, it's go time. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I thought volleyball scene with playing with the boys, the Berlin, um, and then there's all the hits, the classics, like Sitting by the Dock of the Bay, (laughs) or uh, the Righteous Brothers, um, and then there was uh, Great Balls of Fire. Yeah. yeah, take a pick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, the album went nine times platinum, uh, over nine million units sold, ranked somewhere in the top 10. It's not number one, but it's in the top 10. Not bad. And it has an Oscar winning song. Take My Breath Away won the Oscar for best original song. Really? It's mm-hmm. good to know. Yep. Uh, it was written by Giorgio Mortar and Tom Whitlock. They, they wrote Danger Zone and they wrote Take My Breath Away and uh, I think they wrote the song that Cheat Trick did and another song. I think they've got the, the credits for four songs on the album. But that Danger Zone song, we, we attribute to Kenny Loggins, but he wasn't even like the third option for that song. Like they wanted Ario Speedwagon to do it. They wanted Toto to do it. Um, they wanted Brian Adams to do it. Brian Adams didn't want to do it because he thought the film was glorifying war. And he's like, no, man, I don't, I don't want any part of that. So here comes Kenny Loggins, who I don't know, had already wrote bangers for Caddyshack and Footloose. So, yeah. I mean, you would have thought that they probably should have went with him first. Yeah. I mean, that was really before the, uh, the peak Brian Adam days. I don't know if he was quite ready to start taking on movies such as Top Gun in, in 86. The 90s was really the time for Brian Adams. Uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I feel like Kenny Loggins, like this, enhanced, like I, I guess I, Footloose is an amazing album and fun. And, uh, 
But without talking, I don't know if he would be as big as as big as he was or as well remembered. Um, you love Caddyshack, though, huh? I do. I do yeah. love some Caddyshack. I'm trying to think, like of of the the four of the four bangers, right? Um, Caddyshack, Footloose, Danger Zone. And playing with the boys. I mean, I think there's another one that I'm that I'm overlooking right now. He did this song from Caddyshack too, but the four that I just mentioned, I'm trying to figure out which I think is my favorite. I think if I were to rank them personally, I maybe favor Danger Zone just a hair over Footloose, and then I do Caddyshack, and then I do playing with the boys. Yeah, I mean, if you're in your car, either are pretty good songs. Uh, I mean, you're not going to skip either. Nah, but I think Danger Zone's the, the probably the one that's going to get you there faster. It's going to get you there. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna drive faster when that song's on. I was thinking about Brian Adams and his uh, not wanting to glorify war, and I imagine that's why he wanted to do Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Bring <laughs> down. He's anti-war. He's very. Uh, uh, Three Musketeers, of course. Those guys are like bodyguards. They're not. They're not for war. No, no, no. I mean, Robin Hood's thing. about taken from the rich and given to the poor. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Prince John was about war, and he he was not. So you know, it, I just I just thought of something, and I know I'm not the first person to think this, but regarding like you know glorifying war, the the enemy in this film is never identified. You know, there's no country that the enemy is even attributed to. The hell, even the pilots for the MIGs, there is no designation. You can't even see their face, right? Their masks are all like blacked over. There's no identifying marks. So from a war element, if these are bad guys, who are the bad guys? The only thing that we know is it's taking place somewhere in the Indian Indian Ocean. Ocean. Yeah. Um, And they do have a black plane with a red star on it. I would say that's the Russia, China. They would have bought the mix. I, I, I'm with you that I think this is a Middle Eastern country uh, that would border the Indian Ocean, and they're buying the planes, these MiGs from China or Russia. Mm-hmm. The Russian right. MiG flown by a different person who's denying all responsibility of the action. Right. But, because even when they reference, it was like the, the other side are denying whatever, right? I mean, I think that's how they refer to the bad guys, the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man. <sighs> Al Kilmer, is he the bad guy? Uh, is he the bad guy? No, he, to use a phrase that we have used in many a time, he's the the yang to the yin, right? The yin and the yang. I mean, you've got Maverick as our, as our protagonist, right? So we need somebody to be that force of antagonism. So everything that Maverick is, Iceman is the opposite. So where Val Kilmer, well, uh, well, Maverick is seat of his pants, cocky, arrogant, Iceman is going to be very calm, very chill. It's literally in his name, you know, like Iceman, like cold as ice, right? Yeah. And Maverick, wild. Yeah. 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 Names, yeah. So not necessarily the villain, but certainly a, a force of antagonism. I mean, everybody is a force of antagonism, you know, like uh, when it comes to Maverick, Viper, uh, well, not necessarily Viper, Jester definitely is, you know, a, a form of antagonism for him. Um the, the mystery of his father is an element that's something that he holds over himself. So that's something that 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 affects him. Um, but certainly. There is obviously that tension between Val Kilmer and um, 
Tom Cruise in this movie. And that wasn't even just like on camera offset. I mean, this was an earlier role for Val Kilmer. He didn't really want to be a part of this movie. I mean, he was fairly like out of Juilliard and he was kind of against it, but he finally, he took the role, but he was also like super, super method too. And so in between takes, he, he was a dick. Like, I mean, I mean, they, they said that about Val Kilmer before, but he really, really got into the role of Iceman where he was a jerk to, uh, to, to Tom Cruise. Now they've obviously buried the hatchet over the years and everything, but that was something that that Val Kilmer really got into the role. It's like, all right, I'm I'm this guy's bad guy, so I'm going to behave that way, which I think is which is awesome. I mean, I personally love Val Kilmer. Uh, I don't know if it has anything to do with the fact that I love just about everything man's ever been in, including that documentary, which if you haven't seen Val, it's definitely worth a watch. But um, that's a good question. If if we would really call Val Kilmer the bad guy. I mean, I guess you can get, we can get into that argument of who's really responsible for Goose's death, right? We can, we can probably get into that too. But before uh, we talk a little bit more plot, anything else that we want to say about, about the soundtrack at all? About the soundtrack? Um, just to, do you, did you have a favorite moment? Mm. Did you, do you have one in particular favorite? With the songs, I mean, they're all really good, right? I mean, I do love the the opening use of Danger Zone uh, with like the opening credits. I mean, that's, you know, well, the the Top Gun into like the the Danger Zone where everybody's like flying off the aircraft carrier and getting those great shots on the aircraft carrier. Freaking love it. Um, playing with the bo- playing with the boys. That that volleyball uh, medley or montage totally ridiculous but i fucking love it so that might actually be my favorite i do love the scene in the bar where they sing you've lost a loving feeling but hmm it's so tough because they're all great they're all so good what about you Uh, i think the bar scene is probably yeah like i'm trying to think about like what do what i go back and rewatch and stuff like that um the bar scene's always just so fantastic. I just think it's interesting how Showdown or Sundown just has to steal the mic and keep it going. It's like the joke was over, man. Just, but it's good. He, he had a better voice than Tom Cruise did, so I guess it's good he picked up the mic. Yeah, Tom Cruise did not, and this isn't this isn't the only time that we'll we'll hear Tom Cruise sing very very poorly. I think of uh, what is it, Jerry Maguire, when yeah. he's in the car and Pretty he's following. like free falling he's like he's turning like all the stations because he wants to find a song that he can sing along to and he doesn't know like the lyrics to any of the songs and he finally gets to free falling yeah that's that's great uh i'm sure there's other songs off the top of my head that i can't think of but yeah not a great singer not a great singer that tom cruise yeah yeah but uh that's it for the soundtrack yeah i mean it was you know nine out of ten ten out of ten for the soundtrack Good script. So, uh, where do you want to move next? You want to talk about the script, the sets? I mean, visually, it was beautiful. Editing. One thing I would like to mention is just how much this film is, what's the word I want to look for? Underappreciated for what it actually did for home video. Do you know where I'm going with this? Uh, you're on like VHS. Yeah. And, and Do you, you know got, about this? Like, 
I'm guessing this will tie into Blockbuster and having availability and um, she on time. But yeah, go ahead. Uh, tell tell more in depth of the story. But I was just thinking about how because I did, when I watched I watched on Netflix and I was like, did they touch it up? Like it looks so pretty and beautiful. And I mean, the Paramount hundred year thing was a new emblem coming in, but I was like, or maybe I just had an old VHS set that I wore out And but also it's different watching it on VHS where it was like in a square compared to the cinematic version where it's the wide view, right. much better than the wide view. Right. Uh, I mean, you very well may have had uh, an ancient VHS because believe it or not, Top Gun is really the movie that launched the idea of home videos. Uh, Basically, and what I mean for the obviously there were movies that you can you could watch at home, but you'd had to you'd have to rent them. Right. VHS was something that was introduced. But they weren't accessible. Like if you wanted a movie, if you wanted to own a film, it would cost you in the range of 100 plus dollars. Like people really couldn't own movies unless you were going to fork over because everything went to the vent of to the to, to the video stores. And Top Gun was a first film that went to immediate like home video. People could purchase it for like the grand total of like 25 bucks or whatever. And it's a credit like Top Gun was that first film. And the reason why it worked is Pepsi bought advertising space. So when you put the when you put the the VHS in the VCR, the first thing that you would get would be like a, a minute long or like 30 second like commercial for like a Pepsi where you have like a couple like fighter pilots and they're flying along and this pilot tries to grab his Pepsi and he can't open it. And like he's being ragged on by a couple of the, like the other pilots and he, 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 it's not that he can't open, he can't get it out stuck. It's like stuck in a spot. So he grabs his bottle opener like all the other pilots are like listening. He grabs his pilot, you know, like grabs a bottle opener, opens it turns the plane sideways and grabs his little cup and pours like the Pepsi into the cup. And then he does like the Tom Cruise, like the inverted thing over like, Hey guys, you know, with it, with his Pepsi, Mm -hmm. because they're like dogging on him. But it's all because of that, that, that launched that whole movement. People bought that movie in, in droves. I mean, it was like, it was the first film potentially. I mean, there might've been others. I don't know, but that's really the movie that's credited for it. And if you haven't seen that commercial, definitely put that, in like the show notes. So if you're wherever you're listening, just go into the show notes and I'll have a link for that commercial. So you can see it because it's available on YouTube. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Very dated, but it's a cool little fact about Top Gun. Yeah, that's real cool. Yeah. I was thinking about like before that, a lot of times I'd wait, you'd, you'd find out something was coming on TV and you'd have your VCR and you would record it and you would, you would sit up there and you could have the commercials if you want if you were like me, you would you would be like in. You'd stop recording and then start, and you just you go like right to TV, hit the pause button, yeah. and then wait for yep. the commercial to end, and then you hit again. Yep, try to get as much on that tape as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally um, did that. Totally did yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I felt like I had a few movies like that, like Space Camp and stuff like that. Oh yeah, good uh, one, good call. Yeah, Turner and Hooch maybe, but uh, either way. Um, but for the majority of my life, you know, or the majority tell really red box came out and stuff like that you know blockbuster hollywood video funny enough hollywood video once that i didn't return a video of theirs i think it was i want to say it was even hollywood homicide with harrison ford what even that good of a movie but they tried <laughs> to charge me they tried to charge me 80 bucks yeah and we just we just canceled the account we just said screw it never mind like by that time videos were kind of coming more accessible and stuff like that mm. uh, 
we'll just get we'll go to Redbox. We don't need to rent any more movies from Hollywood Video. <laughs> and they closed afterwards. So that's what you get, Hollywood Video, for trying to charge me for something I returned. Yeah, I mean now video stores are uh, a thing of um of mythology, unless you live here in Atlanta or a couple other cities in the in, in the country that still have thriving video stores, but they're basically all gone, right? But, yeah, um, I, I think iHeartVideo closed here in Austin. That was one of the long running ones. Yeah, that was a good one too. Yeah, but you got you got a little collection started. Do you have Top Gun? I don't have Top Gun, um, but I've got I've got I've got a few. I might try to locate an OG Top Gun. I mean, it might be in terrible shape, but I just want to see if it's you know that that Pepsi commercial attributed to it. But uh, if it's still on there, yeah, yeah, that yeah. Would be, that would be really cool. Yeah, a little collector's item, if you will. But yeah, like like they they totally ripped it off. I mean, they they did that like that inverted thing. Oh, but speaking in the movie about the inverted, the the pilot that did that, his name uh, Scott Altman. They he basically he was the stuntman for for Maverick and a real real pilot. He would actually then go on to be an astronaut. So good for him. Badass. So he's, like, he's like the real Pete Mitchell. Yeah, he's like the real Pete Mitchell. Oh, speaking of which, the I forget the the name of the actual pilot, but the the character Pete Mitchell was based on another pilot that is filmed in the movie. I don't know who he is, but the the real pilot's name is actually Pete. So they they did kind of inspire that because Pete Mitchell that wasn't even his like original character's name in the screenplay, like the original versions of it. I don't recall the name of the pilot, so this isn't really necessarily great listening. Because I, I don't have that in the top of my head, but I figure they were just big like uh, Pistol Pete Maravich fan and stuff like that. So they're like, oh, he's kind of like Pistol Pete. He's kind of like a Pistol Pete pilot. But nah, I figured it, it probably would have been based on somebody. Uh, but the, it's not a real thing, correct? Like What's that? There, is, there is no real school called Top Gun in the Navy. It's not called Top Gun, but there, but there really is um, the the the. It was called. United States Navy Fighter Weapons School, but now it's called United States Navy Strike Fighter Tactics Instructor Program or something like that. And basically what they do is certain pilots will go there and then, you know, take the information that they learn to their squadrons to help teach. So, I mean, it is a map. I mean, it does exist. I don't know if they necessarily call it Top Gun. It does have a name so real that like the staff are, they're like charged five bucks every time they quote something from the movie Top Gun. Like there's like yeah. a like a um, like a swear jar, if you will, like at the at the Top Gun Academy that if you quote Top Gun, you got to put five bucks in the in the Top Gun jar. Gotcha. You never leave your wingman kind of thing. Never leave, yeah, exactly. Well, you get a lot of good scenes like we kind of mentioned how uh, Jester's a little bit of a a foil to Maverick. Um, mm -hmm. He still believes in him. He has, Michael Ironstein has some really cool scenes with Tom, Tom Skerritt where he's just like, you know, it's, you're going into battle. Would you, would you want him on your side? He's like, I don't know. Just he's smoking know. a cigarette. There's a lot of, there's a lot of that smoking cigarettes in the building back in those days. A lot, yeah. I mean, that, 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 that was the thing until yeah. mid nineties, late nineties. But before I came in, that that stopped like so when i came in you weren't allowed to smoke indoors everybody would just go to the the little smoke deck if you will and that's where everybody would burn them and everything and 
everybody smokes when you're on a ship because that's the one way you can guarantee to get yourself out of work. Um, gotcha. it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I was on a ship and I smoked and I, I hated smoking. My lungs can't like, I, I get like bronchitis, you know, from smoking, it messes up my lungs. But when I was on a ship, I'm like, dude, if I needed five minutes not to be like needle gunning or sanding something, it's like, all right, I'm going to go smoke a cigarette because nobody yeah. questions that, you know, like, all right, well, he needs a cigarette. Let go. Yeah, let him right. have a cigarette. Whereas if you're just standing over there, not smoking a cigarette, then it's like, a work. Get back to work, man. Yeah. What you exactly. Doing? Exactly. It's, a, it's a thing. It's an actual yeah. thing. Yeah. That's cool, man. I mean, just part of a uh, part of the culture. And I guess that's another thing I kind of pointed out at the beginning. I really like is I think about this as a Navy movie. I think there's, uh, <laughs> you know, there's a part where Tom Scare is having a conversation like with the, uh, with Maverick and he's just looking out the window. He's not, he's talking to him, but he's not looking at him. And I'm like, and I'm trying to think of myself as like, have I ever been with a manager and he's talking to me, but he's not actually looking at me. He's just like looking off into the distance, giving me advice slash calling me out. It's like, man, that's kind of a, or is that just a Navy thing <laughs> for like the young guys to look in this guy in, in awe of his greatness and oh, <laughs> he's a great man. Yeah. The the main ship in the film is the Enterprise, right? That is correct. The USS Enterprise is the main one that they um, that they that they use. And I can't remember the other one. I don't think it's a Carl Vinson, but there's another aircraft carrier that's referenced. But it's the Enterprise that that uh, gets the the bulk of the load. Actually, one uh, a couple of my buddies were stationed on the Enterprise. It was only like decommed not too long ago, but. I had friends that were stationed on the USS Enterprise, which is which is pretty cool because they were on the Top Gun carrier. That would be pretty cool. I yeah. I probably tell a lot of girls that at a bar. <laughs> you work on the carrier. You ever see the movie Top Gun? I work on that carrier. Uh, I'm like, like those guys cheering at the end, you know, who do all the hard labor work. You know, that's mm-hmm. me. I'm a real hero. Yeah. Uh, I actually have a. It's not a flight jacket, but I do have a, a jacket from the USS Enterprise. I hooked up with a girl that was stationed on the Enterprise and she was a tall girl. So we, you know, she we, we had the same size jacket um, and uh, she she gave me the jacket. because I, w- I wanted some Enterprise swag. So she hooked me up with that. So I do have a coat. I, I do have a jacket. Well, it's more of a coat than a jacket. Well, actually, what is a distinguishing factor between a coat and a jacket anyway? I don't know. It keeps me warm. I'll put it that way. And maybe the length. Yeah. But yeah. No, I can see you. That was a very Charlie move of you to get to get something, you know, like she had an experience with the enterprise and you're like, I want this information. I need it. I'll invite her over, maybe cook her some chicken Parmesan mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm mm-hmm. going to get that jacket. Yeah. 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 yeah the Navy days was, was, uh, was quite a time. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned something about kind of like a college movie. I mean, there certainly is that that relationship that you have kind of like, I mean, it very much is like a fraternity. I remember when I had after I'd gotten out of boot camp, you go to like your training school. So kind of not unlike Top Gun, obviously, we're not flying planes or anything, but you go like I was a journalist. So I went through a journalism and photography school. And so I was there with other journalists and other photographers and. Uh, very much like a fraternity, you know, the six months that I was there, the the crazy shit that we, that we got into, uh, yeah, got in some trouble, got kicked out of that school actually. So did you ever end up at a bar just packed full of Navy guys and everybody has their different decor on and there's just nothing but 
It, it kind of reminded me of um, what's Richard Gere's movie, Officer and a Gentleman. Officer and a Gentleman, yeah. Yeah, where uh, there's just ladies who live in that town who's probably going to marry some Navy pilot, and uh, that's her goal. I mean, that's really interesting that you mentioned that and very, very true because in where I was stationed primarily when I wasn't on the ship, but even when I was on the ship, the ship was technically housed in Norfolk, Virginia. And that part of Virginia, they call it Hampton Roads. And within Hampton Roads, you've got everybody. You've got the Navy, you've got the Air Force, you got the Marines, you know, you got Army. Everybody is there. I don't know if it is the largest military town in the country, but if not, it's certainly in the top three, you know, I mean, it's everywhere. So you can always tell who's in the military because we all basically have the same haircuts. You know, we, we can't have facial hair and we basically have roughly the same length of hair. And a lot of the local girls, they don't want to date a Navy guy, you know, or a military guy because it's like, all right, well, he's here for a couple of years. And also people in the military, you get the, that, that kind of like stigma, you know, as far as basically you're, you're just, DTF really when you're in the military, that's just kind of like that persona that you get not that it's completely untrue, but that's just kind of one of those elements. But, uh, well, I always felt like that was because soldiers are more likely to die soon. So there's something innate in them to want to reproduce sooner. I, I mean, maybe there, maybe, maybe psychologically life. there's something to that. Maybe, maybe, but but you've been, and that's a, so that's a true, true interpretation of a bar. It looked like a really fun bar. Iceman was looking amazing, wearing his shades inside. Right. Yeah, I love that, like that, that scene, people wearing like their, their aviators. Everybody, like, you know, everybody wore aviator glasses in that film. I admit the only sunglasses that I do wear are aviators. I, I, I just... You know, I'm not a pilot, but it's just like aviators are other, other, than Pepsi, other than Pepsi and the Navy aviators might be like top three beneficiaries of this movie. Uh, I only want to wear aviators. I oftentimes wear a really cheap pair of 7-Eleven $10 sunglasses just for fun. <laughs> but if I had to go buy some nice pair of glasses, they'd be aviators. Polar. Hell yeah. Yeah, buddy. Ray-Ban. But, um, but yeah, cool bars. Now, what else did I want to mention? Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think of like hidden advertisements. I guess the only other thing would be like vodka, although they don't show that it's vodka, but they're obviously drinking like vodka. Like everybody's just drinking like vodka on the rocks in this movie is what it looks like. Yeah. Well, there is a part where Kelly McGinnis comes up to him when he's got his confidence broken and she's like, I'll have what he's having him walk. And my thought is, I believe hemlock is something that you, if you drink it, it'll kill you. I think it's what Socrates drank. Oh. Um, and, and so in a way it's like, if that's, if that's what it was, and hemlock's not a drink, it, that says a lot about her character and like where she sees him right now as this right. guy who's this uh, amazing talent who's misunderstood. And it, you know, it's, uh, she's trying to pull him back. Um, but uh, hemlock anyways. Huh. I, I, I thought maybe because you know cocktails, it's like you never heard of a cocktail called a hemlock, right? I don't. I mean, I mean, yeah. I'm still learning. I'm still learning, but yeah. no, I, I'll have to look that one up. And now you had mentioned just, just like a natural, like natural segue as far as you know when his confidence was broken, we had lost a goose. Sorry, spoiler alert: goose, goose dies in this movie. Let's you take a minute. Probably for, know this. Let's take a minute for Anthony Edwards because similar to uh, Revenge of the Nerds, college movie, right? 
It's true. He, he didn't make it down to Miami beach because you know, he broke his leg playing chess, but it was a very tricky move. Uh, yeah. The line is said in the film. Yeah. Um, but, uh, man, I always felt like he almost just couldn't break out of that nerd character. Like, uh, like he did a good job in this movie and then he went on to ER and stuff like that. But yeah. And wasn't he the only guy actually wearing a shirt in the volleyball scene? Yes. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. how could you go, how could you be shirtless when you're standing next to like Rick Rosevich and Val Kilmer and Tom Cruise? Yeah. They, man, I, I played a lot of sand volleyball. Like it's just, uh, one of the things I did in college as well. So that scene, I just love so much, but there's parts where it's like, he can't play, but Val Kilmer, he seems like he's got the right moves. I, I think he learned on the sunny beaches of California how to play some volleyball. Probably. He, yeah. looked, he looked like a natural up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do love seeing, I do love seeing shots of Maverick trying to spike the volleyball at like five, seven over the net. I'm like, no, man, no. Mm-mm. I'm pretty sure he's in the net and it would have been the other team's point. I'm surprised yeah. ice Iceman caught. That's the thing about Val Kilmer's character. Why I kind of feel like he's the bad guy is he never misses an opportunity to talk shit, <laughs> <laughs> you know, at all. The second he, he like Maverick has this little moment of, Oh, he's the guy who saw the MIG. The first thing he does is he goes, he goes, so who's watching Cougar while you were playing with the MIG? Right, right. Because Cougar was his guy. So he, he does he, any opportunity he can, you know. They was get he also the one that goes bullshit when he's like, yeah. because I was inverted. Was that him also? Yeah. And then yeah. for those wanting to know, uh, the plaque for the alternates is down in the ladies room, right? So he does, he does say some real like dick things in the film. So, yeah, I mean, you're, you're probably, probably onto something. Do you need some help figuring out who the best is? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, oh, just because we, we took a minute uh, to you know recognize Goose, I do want to mention that there was a pilot, like a stunt pilot that did die in the making of this film. Um, his name was, uh, shoot, Art something. I apologize. I, I, I lost his name, but he died during the filming. Uh, his, his camera plane basically uh, failed to revert from a, a flat spin. And then nosedive, uh, no, you know, had a nosedive in the Pacific Ocean. His body and his plane were never recovered. So that's really? when you see. Pardon me. Really? That's yeah. That's, that's what the film, the film is dedicated to him. And I wish I, you know, I apologize. I lost that note of what his name was. But so we did lose a pilot in this film that like nose took a nosedive into the ocean. Well, if you find it, mention it. Memorial Day, you know, it's remember. I mean, that's a good call. Like, I mean, this is for this is our Memorial Day episode. Obviously, we're pairing it because when at the time of recording, there is a brand new Top Gun movie out in theaters. And I will probably cover that in just a minute. But, yeah, this is for Memorial Day. And this is always kind of like one of those weird holidays now, because I mean, holidays, I don't think the right right phrase, because. I mean, it's not really a happy time. I know that everybody is off. And you and I worked together in a sales environment where Memorial Day was a big one. And a lot of times it, it could be lucrative, but it was very taxing. Yes. And I feel like it took a lot of the joy of having a three day weekend because we rarely ever got one. Right. Um, yeah. But it's still Memorial Day was always a big day for us and still hold it. I, I'm just glad now I can actually celebrate it in a different way to support right. the soldiers and not make it all about me and my company. Yeah. And what we're trying to do. And I've always been kind of like uncomfortable when people are like, hey, happy Memorial's Day, happy Memorial Day. I'm like, I don't know if happy Memorial Day is really the, 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 the phrase that you want to use. I mean, there's really nothing happy about, hey, happy 
service members that have died day, you know? I think it's the most confused holiday, like in American holidays, because that's Veterans Day, is the Happy Veterans Day is like for the vets. Right. Veterans are those that served. Memorial are those that, you know, have fought and have passed, right? I mean, it's kind of like a remembrance. You're remembering those who who fought the fight and and died as a result of it. Veterans Day are just literally the, the day to honor those that served in the military. Yeah. I think they, they, in their mind, they, they think it's one thing, but it's, it's two. Right. Which, um, anything, anything else you want to kind of like, uh, you want to cover before we, before I just throw out just a couple little other like facts, because we talked a little bit about the movie and, and everybody that's seen that everybody that's listening has probably seen Top Gun unless you've lived on Mars the past 30 years, but if you haven't go watch, watch yeah, if you haven't go <laughs> see it do. i mean it's you it's know. kind of an iconic film did you yeah. know ooh, ooh, uh just because i find this kind of a, a good little fact tom cruise was not now granted he was always the one they wanted for for top gun but he he had kind of like declined he wasn't necessarily sure of it so they reached out to john travolta john travolta could have been it, but they kind of like backpedaled on that because he had had a series of flops recently. And so they reached out to other people. Nobody really wanted to do it. It wasn't until Tom Cruise went up in uh, uh, went up in a plane. Now he couldn't go up in the, uh, the Tom Cap, but he went up in like another another plane and the, the pilot had him whipping, you know, all over the place, doing different shit. And uh, Tom Cruise like vomited all over the place and got sick and then immediately got out of the plane. He's like, dude, I have to do this movie. I'm doing this movie. And that might be the movie that launched Tom Cruise into this like adrenaline junkie. Cause now, I mean, he does like all of his stunts and yeah. this might've been the movie that kind of kickstarted it, but like other actors that didn't do this movie, Patrick Swayze, Emilio Estevez, Nick Cage, John Cusack, Matthew Broderick, Sean Penn, Michael J. Fox, even uh, Tom Hanks, Scott Bayo. I mean, these were all people that they thought of as potential maverick replacements until Tom Cruise finally said, no, 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 no. I'll do this movie. Yeah. Because he'd done Taps, which is a good one. Uh, it's beautiful, he, man. Yeah, it's fucking beautiful, man. <laughs> Take that beret off. <laughs> the first one they got. But he'd also done like Risky Business, where I think he's like dating an older woman. I, he, it seems like he, he'd have the credentials to be perfectly cast to play this role. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing I can see with John Travolta is that I know he became a pilot. He was a pilot, so perhaps some of that right. could have gotten mm-hmm. him. But it was uh, also really expensive, which is another reason why they kind of backed off John Travolta was like his his salary demands were a bit higher. But yeah, they didn't go with it. Um, the last little note that I can think of before we start we start segueing into some fun little games and and uh, and trivia and things like that is. So Tom Tom Cruise isn't the the tallest of actors around. He stands uh, at five seven, so puts him kind of in that that average to just under average. But for a Hollywood actor, he's very much in that average height. But this is also kind of a romance scene, and something that Tom Cruise has dealt with in other films is the height difference, where they've had a lot of taller leading ladies with him. And Kelly McGillis is five ten, so a lot of the scenes that they've got. You know, she's sitting down or somebody's on something. But when they would have to have them standing next to each other, Tom Cruise would wear uh, would wear these boots that have like like a three inch lift. So that's how they'd be like the, the same height and everything. So just a, a fun little a fun little a fun little fact, if you will. 
Because that's the thing about like the idea of like short actors like Michael J. Fox. Right. When did it, when was it just, you were supposed to be a tall actor? Like all of a sudden it's like, it's a bad to be a short actor. I, I got a lot of friends who are five, seven. There's nothing wrong with being five, seven. There's nothing wrong with being five, seven. You're an actor. You got to, I guess, I guess it's in a, there's a small chance that there could be women that are taller than you. But, right. Uh, and honestly, like under six feet is kind of like that happy zone. It, it works really well for filming. So that's why I mean, a lot of actors are around that. It's actually harder to film taller actors because of like the um, like the perception when they're when they're filming something, they want to yeah. be able to get everybody and you just like your your height lines and everything. So sure. five, like seven, a, five, eight is good. But if you and I were in a movie and I was standing ahead of you, then it would look like Lord of the Rings and I'm Gandalf and you're Frodo. <laughs> That's that's a giant exaggeration. I am taller than Tom Cruise. I'm just saying okay. I'm much taller than Frodo. Okay. That's true. You're you're taller than Elijah Wood? Yes. Okay. I believe you. Hey Siri, how tall is Elijah Wood? Elijah Wood is five feet six inches tall. Yeah, he's five six, dude. I've, I, I I tower over Elijah Wood. Okay. Well, I, I'm, I'm hope you're proud of that. I, well, I am. <laughs> I hope you I'm, meet him one day and you get a chance to tell him. <laughs> and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm taller than Tom Cruise. Dude, learn something new. Those weren't even on your questions for today, man. <laughs> nope, 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 My nope. Ta- you think I'm taller than Anthony Edwards? I don't know. I don't. How tall are you? Six, four. Six, four. I, I think I got him beat. Yeah, you're probably taller than Anthony Edwards. I'm going I'm to look it up. I'm going to do it the old school way. I wonder if you're taller than Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins is also very tall. There, there's this great shot at the very end of the movie where they've got all the actors and Tim Robbins is there and he's essentially towering over everybody. He's got now, a big smile on his face. Six, two, six, two, yeah, six, two. Gotcha, Anthony. Gotcha. So, the first, so really the range is the same. If Anthony's six, two and Tom Cruise is five, seven, I'm five, nine, you're six, four. So it's still the same difference, height difference between the two. You're two you inches taller. Pardon me? You think we could take him in volleyball? Uh, in, in anything. I was thinking like a fist fight because I'm like, I think I might be able to take Anthony Edwards now at this point. But I don't, think, might... I don't think either one of us would be able to take Tom Cruise, though. That's what I'm scared. Well, I got to take Anthony Edwards out quick. I need you to buy me. <laughs> See, the thing is, you got to be like Jet, like a uh, Jester and be like running or Viper and have Tom Cruise chase you right. long enough for me to take Goose out. Then I'm back in. Um, um, all right. I want to get to a couple of these things and this isn't necessarily a hot seat, but I, I, I got to know. Yeah. Who's responsible for, for Goose's death? Does it fall more on Maverick? Does it fall more on Iceman? Those are my two choices because it's Goose's fault. I mean, Goose signed up and got in the cockpit. Mm, um, interesting the take. Interesting take. The Navy's fault for creating this school where only the people who get kills get the points. I mean, Iceman cut Maverick off. Yes. Uh, he pulled out Maverick. Maverick could have been home back a little bit further. Also not gotten caught in the jet pipes. Mm-hmm. Um, things, I don't know. Crappy things happen in life. Crappy and, things happen. Right. Um, it, it's because there are two different, you know, like two major schools of, of thought of it. You know, one, Iceman was too close. He didn't have a shot. He needed to get out because Maverick was right there. Like he had a spot. The other side of the coin is 
Maverick was right on Iceman as well, right? So when he got out, he had to know that being in the in the jet wash was a possibility. I mean, he, you, I mean, these are the best of the best. He would have to know that would be a distinct possibility based on these three planes this close. That would be that would be a possibility. So I'm going on record. It is not Iceman's fault. But I also don't want to blame Maverick. All right. Um, yeah, we're gonna blame Goose. We're gonna blame Goose because he yeah. he he didn't have to sign up. It's Goose's fault that he's dead. Yeah. What sucks really is Maverick. The whole time is like I can't like when they're in I the can't team. Like, I can't my wingman. No, no, no. He's saying I can't get. I can't pull. I can't oh, pull yeah, yeah. it. And so Goose is the guy who pulls, and maybe that triggers his right. ability. Oh yeah. And, and so it's like Goose basically saves Maverick's life. And he takes a bullet for him, I guess. And, and to, I doubt Goose knows what he's doing. But either way, uh, Maverick couldn't do it. And maybe that's one of the things that happened. Uh, right. Because Goose had a pull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite possible. But, Quite possible. You, um, I like the way Tom Scary tells him. Just like, I think he's, you know, he, he tells me he loses men. And that's part of going on within that field of within the Navy, it's just like, that's a part of having to, you're going to lose people over time. So you got to figure out how you're going to get over it and push on. So anyways. Yep. Now. All right. Here it is. Which you're, you're casting top gun. Which pilot are you? Are you goose? Yeah. Yeah. I'm goose. You're goose. I thought yeah. about this. Like, who am I? Like, which, like, I, I think I'm I, Maverick, but I really want to be Iceman. Like, I'd be okay being uh, Tim Robbins, being uh, Merlin. I can see you as a Merlin. Yeah, I can see you Merlin's as a Merlin. Fun. He seems good. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah, because I don't really want to call you uh, what's Iceman's wing, uh, wing co-pilot? Slider. Because Slider seems like he was a pilot, but he hopped on with Iceman just to be on like the winning team and be a badass. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't exactly think that's yours. I think you'd want to have your own plane. Yes. And I think you'd be better than Wolfman. And uh, <laughs> I hope so. In yeah. Hollywood. I think you'd be Maverick, man. I think it's, yeah. you're okay saying that just because yeah. you do, you would fuck authority at times or, yeah. uh, you know, you get called into the and office. And I did in the military. That yeah. was something that I was, that I was definitely recognized for was uh, challenging authority. Um, you think it passes over the admiral's daughter? Not the admiral's daughter, but you know, I, I did, uh, I did fraternize, uh, fraternize a little bit. So, but anyway, uh, you know, there is a website right now. It is um, shoot. What is it called? It's uh, what's what's my call sign.com. Now Ooh. it's for the new, it's for the new top gun movie, but basically you go to this website. What's my call sign.com. You put in your name, it takes a picture of you, puts an actual like helmet on your face. You answer like three questions and they generate a call sign. So I, I did one for me and everybody can go on and the questions are completely random, but based on how you answer it, if you go to this website, what's my call sign.com, okay. it'll create a call sign for you. Now we don't even need to do it for you. Well, your call sign would be bones. I mean, that's your, that's your call sign. Right. Um, but of course you can go to that website and see what, what it would do now, based on the questions I answered for you, because I, I took one for you. Okay. You, your call sign was chief. 
That's what you're calling. That's which I thought was really funny because I'm like, uh, I don't know, I don't know if the chief uh, fits him. I mean, so I want you, I do want you to go to that site and and take a look. Now, for me, the call sign that it generated was one that I think actually works. I think it works for me. It's, uh, my call sign is uh, is monsoon, which I think okay. is okay. That's I mean, pretty cool. I'm from the islands, you know. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm used to being in a lot of you know a lot of rain, and I'm gonna ram yeah. down some missiles, right? So monsoon, monsoon's yeah. a good one for me, I think. Yeah, I like. Um, you mentioned bones. That's really yours. I still like Alamo. So I got people call me Alamo. Yeah, uh, Rocho. Um, can't be Rochelle. That's that's too close to your name. You need. Okay. Yeah. Like yeah. I can't be, I mean, I'm like, well, mine's Stamper, obviously, but I can't yeah. be Stamper. You can't be anything too close to, too close to home. Gotcha. So, well, the Bones and Alamo would probably be, because uh, I couldn't be Death Row. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, that's not bad. That's yeah. not bad. Yeah. Um, Zero. <laughs> all right. So I, I want to play, a, I want to play a couple games and we're going to play this game. Soon. So what? You got a monsoon. All right. Yeah. I'm refer to you as monsoon from here on out. You All right. So we're going to play a new segment on Stanford Cinema. It's a little game called Finish This Line. Here we go. I'm going to give you a line and you're going to give me the very next line feature. I think you're going to do this, but here we go. Number one Tower, this is Ghost Rider requesting a flyby. Negative, Ghost Rider. The pattern is full. <laughs> yes, correct. Question number two, take me to bed. Or lose me forever. Mm -hmm. Number three, I feel the need. The need for speed. Nailed it. And lastly, you can be my wingman anytime. Bullshit. You can be mine. Nailed it. 100%. Outstanding, Johnny Bones. Yeah. And watch it this time. I I remember now that, uh, like, whenever I text you earlier, let's kick the tires and light the fires. That's from Independence Day, I believe. I was gonna say, I'm like, I don't know if yeah. that's, that's. I think that's Will Smith and Harry Connick Jr. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was yeah. like, I don't remember that one. Yeah, I don't remember that one. Um, yeah. But now, now I'm gonna throw you another little game. We're gonna call this game this or that or either or. But here you go. Yeah, we'll call it either or. Kelly McGillis from this film or Nicole Kidman from Days of Thunder either or so you get you can choose you get to choose one it is like who i get to spend the rest of my life with or you know which performance however you want to read it however you want to read it who do you who do you 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 have to choose one you have to choose one kelly mcgillis in this one or nicole kidman in days of thunder i'm going nicole kidman in days of thunder then nicole kidman Days of Thunder. i like i like her professionalism um i like her flowy red hair she's a a doctor yes yes she is uh, Although so. the Pentagon trusts Charlie with like top secret information. Do you trust Charlie? I think Charlie would bang somebody just to figure out some information. On the <laughs> That's very, very, <laughs> yeah, she's kind of a spy, kind of a spy. A little bit. Uh, question number two, Top Gun or A Few Good Men, which Navy film do you take? Top Gun. Top Gun. Yeah. Number, <laughs> number three. Better wingman, Samuel Tarley or Samwise Gamgee? <laughs> Better wingman. Samuel Tarley from Game of Thrones. And yeah. I'm sorry, Samuel Tarley from Game of Thrones and Samwell, um, Samwise Gamgee from Lord of the Rings. 
Ooh. You know what? As much as I love my Game of Thrones, I'll go ahead and give it to uh, Samwise Kim G. You have to. The ultimate wingman. He literally picks up Frodo and, and carries his ass up a mountain. mountain. The yeah. ultimate wingman. And he gets the girl in the end. And he gets the girl at the end. Yeah. I mean, ultimate oh. wingman right there. Um, top, top Gun or Days of Thunder. Which do you take? Oh, Top Gun. Top Gun. Yeah. And then lastly, better better song to a better Righteous Brothers song to bone the leading lady. Unchained mm. Melody from Dirty mm. Dancing. Or, I mean, from, uh, from, from Ghost. Or You've Lost Perfect. a Loving Feeling from Top Gun. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about better bone like music <laughs> like, <laughs> like within the scene because like it's Berlin in the love scene in this movie, not a. Yeah, you've lost a lot. So better, I'm just saying better, better Righteous Brothers song to hook up with uh, with your old lady. Um, I'd go with Ghost then. Yeah, Unchained yeah. Melody. I mean, I don't you know, want, nothing, I don't, nothing against Tom Cruise singing, but you don't be Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore doing, you know, uh, doing a little uh, a little pottery rub down. I mean, that was that was pretty, pretty legit. So good job on that. We are wrapping this bad boy on up, but the fun isn't done. The fun is not done. John, are you ready for the hot seat? Yeah. Yeah, man. If I want to find out who the best is. It's true. You know. I mean, we, we need to figure this out. So here we go. What type of aircraft was featured in this film? Specifically, we don't have to talk about the MiGs, but what F- were... F-14? F-14 Tomcat is correct. One for one. Now, how many rules of engagement did Maverick break when he took on Jester? Uh, I would say two, hard deck, and then firing as a different one. Or, but it was, it was two. There was two, and it technically wasn't against Jester, but it was, or it wasn't during. It wasn't against Jester, but it would happen that same time. Something oh, happened. Flyby, so then the flyby. Yeah, that's right. When he buzzed the tower, that was yeah, the second rule of engagement. Yeah. Um, you already got this one earlier, so I'll skip it. But the correct answer for what was the aircraft carrier feature, the USS Enterprise, which for the listeners, how many predate Star Trek? So the USS Enterprise aircraft carrier is actually older than the television show Star Trek. So wasn't it based? Wasn't the show based on? Like, didn't they steal the name from that one in particular? Pardon me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, yeah. The USS Enterprise is literally based on the USS Enterprise um, aircraft carrier, yeah. nuclear-powered aircraft carrier, CVN sixty-five, because you have CVs and then CVN, which means it's uh, a nuclear propulsion. That was the USS Enterprise. Iceman's real name in the film. Do you know what it is? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, Tom Krasinski. I'll take it. Tom Kazansky is correct. Dude, it's almost as if you've seen this movie a few times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was also a great SNL skit, I want to say, with Val Kilmer. Oh, my uh, God. Yes. I'm going to I'm going to put that in the show notes as well. If it's if it's on YouTube, that SNL bit with Val Kilmer is it's legendary. It's legendary. I don't even know if it's him in it, but that one where it is uh, Iceman as like an airline pilot. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, it's funny because after, after this film, every time that, uh, Val Kilmer would fly, people reference him as Iceman. Like 
just been going on for like 30 years. He can't, the man can't even go on an airplane uh, without a pilot, you know, referring to him as Iceman, which he didn't even want to be in the movie. And now it's like his most recognizable film. Maybe that's a question for discussion. What is Val Kilmer's most recognizable film? I, I think that's where like in the recent ones, because he kind of plays the bad guy, I'm like, Tombstone. I like Doc Holliday way better. Mm. The character of Doc Holliday way better. And uh, those, those he crushes Jim there. Morrison in the doors as well. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, he's a he's a phenomenal actor. Willow, right? <laughs> yeah. Willow. I mean, shit. Maybe maybe that's the one right there. Matt Mardigan. Yeah. Um, what type of motorcycle does Maverick ride? Ooh, Ninja. Yeah. Yeah. Kawasaki Ninja. I think it's a yeah. nine hundred. Now, fun fact, and I'll put a picture of of this bike in the show notes, but my first bike, because I grew up in Bermuda, and you can't drive a car until you're 18, but at 16, you can ride ride a moped or scooter, or in my case, I had a motorcycle, and I had a red Kawasaki. It was a Kawasaki AR, which is basically like a little baby version of a Ninja, and it was legit. I'm picturing I'm pre- I'm picturing Johnny Lawrence and Cobra Kai showing up to a beach party on this, <laughs> on this scooter on this uh, motorcycle. That's how I picture you around Bermuda, you and your buddies. Um, maybe uh, maybe a little like that, but I just remember liking to take the take the take the ladies on the motorcycle because everybody everybody had mopeds, and I was the only kid in school with a motorcycle. Oh and- man. So yeah. you could probably beat everybody in a race. You actually um, have like I mean, you can't really go too before. fast in Bermuda. Like the speed limit's like 20 miles an hour, like 23 miles an hour. It's super slow. But the roads are so like narrow and so curvy that that's actually really fast. Uh, and if you deck out, it hurts like a motherfucker. But the, <laughs> the fastest I ever got on that motorcycle was probably 47 miles an hour, um, which... I was very much breaking the law in Bermuda, but I did that down on the base because it was by the airport. So it had like the longest, longest uh, straightaway and the military base was shutting down. So the military base was kind of like a ghost town in 1995. And so I had went up a ways just to see if there were any cops around or anything like that. And there weren't. So I got uh, close to the beach, turned around and I did I don't know, like maybe like a, like a quarter mile just to see how fast I can get it. And I got to tell you, man, that's still really fast on, uh, on a, on a, like, I mean, it was a straightaway, but in Bermuda, I mean, I felt my ass like sliding further back and I was like lean down mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah. I, I felt like Maverick. I even did one of these because I was by literally by like the runway. I mean, it's yeah. total, total dork, uh, maneuver, but you'd already seen the movie. Oh, in 1995? Hell yeah. We had yeah. this movie on VHS. Yeah. In, you know, I mean, this movie would have, you know, came out in 86. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. the best you've ever gone. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, I want, I want, honestly, the truth is I wanted to go over 50, but I, like, again, I felt my ass sliding a little bit further back. And maybe I did it enough. Maybe I did go over 50 another time, but I'm just distinctly remembering this one time at like 47, which for kilometers, what is 47 miles an hour? <laughs> I was just thinking in my head, are you talking kilometers? Because it'd be lower. Uh, MPH2 KM. So KM, let me do that in reverse. Um, 
miles per hour to kilometer 75. Holy shit. Yeah. I was doubling the, the speed limit in Bermuda. Okay. Uh, yeah. So 75 kilometers was the, the fastest that, that I remember, but it's possible. I mean, that bike, the, the AR 50, um, which I had like a kit that made an AR 80, uh, that was, it was the only bike really of its kind on the Island. And it was kind of like, a my father and I bought the bike for like $300 and we put about like 600, $700 work into, uh, refurbishing it and like making it look like baller status. And again, this is 1995 money. That was a lot of money. And it looked hot. And again, it was faster than any other bike out there, but yeah, it was my, uh, yeah, it was my baby. I wish I actually had pictures of myself with that bike. All I have are like stock pictures of what the motorcycle would look like, but that was my Pete Mitch Pete Maverick Mitchell motorcycle was my Kawasaki. Right now, wow. pardon me. That I just went pretty, on a little detour thinking nah, about that it. That sounds pretty badass. I'm jealous. Yeah. yeah. I feel like, but there's those, like you, I think in high school, I probably would have been, I, I would have hated you for it. <laughs> I'd, have, I'd have been jealous. Yeah. Like, I, I got this stupid scooter. I got to take the school. Here comes Andrew Staber. He's got the cool bike. Oh, Shelly's riding on the back of his bike today. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Man, of course they're going to go to the beach. Yeah. I would have had, let's see. So I dated in high school, I dated this girl named Molly. So I would have had her on the bike, but then Molly left the island. And then I dated a girl named uh, Tamsin. And yeah, so she would have been on the bike too. Like yeah. I, say, I felt, I felt like a million bucks having, you know, having a, uh, having little uh, beautiful ladies on the back of the motorcycle, like holding on to me. It was, yeah, good, good ego time for a 16, 17 year old Andrew Stamper. Let me tell you. Yeah, very Pete Mitchell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like I'll, she left the island, so it basically it's like she dropped off the face of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> the island yeah 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 true story true story um but yeah the correct answer kawasaki ninja i think it was a 900 um a final question i which i kind of touched on earlier but what country are the migs from it's unknown so perfect score perfect perfect score that's a good movie set up well i really you know i'd like to thank jerry brookheimer tony scott you know uh, the actors for portraying the roles in a very memorable fashion. Uh, uh, you know, the art and musical and cinematic, to, you know, people, I just, I got to thank the whole community of Top Gun. So yeah, that's my acceptance speech for a perfect score. Yeah. 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 Yep. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, the movie isn't perfect. There, there are elements uh, again, just to circle back to what Roger Ebert had said that, you know, all the, the, all the flight scenes are incredible, but when people are talking to themselves, it's a little suspect where, again, I go, I, I, I love the dialogue. I love the relationships. I, I love the slider. You stink. You know, I, I, I love things like that. I love the, the relationships uh, between, I mean, and these were all really, really young actors when you think about them. I mean, um, they had done some stuff, but this, this movie, it put them on the map and adjusted for inflation this is tom cruise's biggest biggest film i mean without inflation obviously it, it it's not like the, his biggest movie is actually mission impossible fallout so the one that came out just a couple of years ago generated 220 million which is respectable but top gun did 179 in 1986 if you if you reconfigure that inflation i mean that again top gun made a lot a lot more money but just even in doing a little bit of research 
I, I was surprised to see that although he's such a huge actor, Tom Cruise isn't the, the giant box office juggernaut that you might think, you know, like Harrison Ford have been in way more giant blockbuster films than Tom Cruise. And yet we think of Tom Cruise as like this iconic action star, but his biggest movie mission impossible fallout, which is like mission impossible five or six. I don't even know the number, but um, that's yeah, that's to date his, his biggest film. Now I'm, I'm curious to see what like this new top gun movie is going to do. Cause I think it's probably going to crush it. I think this is going to be Tom Cruise's biggest, biggest film. And I'm not saying that like in jest, but again, I not that Rotten Tomatoes really matter, but critically at this time in the movie doesn't have well at the, at this time of recording, Tom Cruise Maverick has a rating of 97%, which would make it Tom Cruise's highest, highest film to date, which is quite remarkable. In fact, like he's been in so many iconic films, but there haven't been a critic score higher, higher than that. So I mean shit, even. Even the movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding has made more money in the box office than any Tom Cruise film, which is pretty, pretty remarkable. Not to shit on My Big Fat Greek Wedding. It's a it's it's a hell of a funny film. But again, Tom Cruise can hold his breath for over six minutes in one of the Mission Impossible movies. And he like really did it. He has held himself on top of a plane in the Mission Impossible movie. The guy does ridiculous shit. And his movies have never really been massive hits in the box office. Yeah, I guess people just, he's similar to, uh, I don't know, don't want to come up with excuses for Tom Cruise. The guy's done a great job in his life, right? Uh, but with the Ethan Hunt storyline, I can't remember the last one I made a point to go see in the same way I do James Bond. Mm. I probably don't care that much about going to see, maybe a comparable person might be like Matt Damon, where with the Jason Bourne he's gone into, but he's probably also done other roles more memorable. But... I mean, when I was a kid, Tom Cruise was nailing it, man. He was in everything and he was he was just killing in multiple different roles and stuff like that. But yeah, and he's been in multiple roles and they've all had. I mean, with with limited exception, I think he did that movie, The Mummy, a couple of years ago. And that movie. movie. Mike, oh, sorry. I, I was just going to say it's probably Michael Ironside's biggest movie. Ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know if Phil recalled him, but you know, it's probably a lot of these guys hot, hot highlights. I don't know if Kelly McGinnis has a bigger movie. Um, this um, film. I mean, probably not in the box office. I mean, she was on, you know, she was in witness and that did well Oscar and like nominated film, but box office. And again, not to like, not ho hum Tom Cruise. I mean, this was still the biggest film of 1986. And it wasn't even close. But the I, new one, the new one's going to be even bigger. Oh, it's, I, 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 I'm, I'm excited. What about you? What do you? Are you? Are you going to check it out? Let's talk about it. Yeah, I'm going to check it out, man. I'm real excited. It was either that or Downton Abbey that weekend. So I decided, <laughs> <laughs> I decided to go Top Gun Maverick. Uh, no, nah, the kid um, who's going to play Goose's son. Oh, Miles uh, Teller. Yeah, he looks. He looks like he's got. Uh, just the look of him. So, because we have like a one minute commercial to go off of, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it seems like they got the tone of the movie right. So I can just imagine there's going to be a lot of nostalgia. Right. I can't wait for that. Um, there's another actor. I want to say his name's Glenn Powell. He's uh, from Austin, though. Um, so I'll be looking forward to seeing him. He, I got a feeling he's going to be like an like an Iceman cocky mm. pilot. 
but yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of nostalgic scenes. Um, and I don't know. I'm, I'm getting excited. I guess I don't want to talk about it too much. It's like, uh, yeah, I can't wait for whenever Danger Zone comes on and Tom Cruise is in a plane and I'm hopefully shooting something down. If that happens, I'm going to I'm going to lose it. I'm, I'm curious to know if that song is going to make a, another appearance. I do. If, if I were to bet any money on the song most likely to appear in Top Gun Maverick, I'm going to take Great Balls of Fire. I think that I think, that, I think that's a good pick, especially if it has the scene with like if, if it's Anthony Edwards kid, if it's Goose's kid. Who's, that's what I mean, it has to be because he, he you know, he was with his dad. He you know, he was on the piano when Goose uh, did it. He's now at Top Gun. I, I, I just see no scenario where that song is not in the film. Would you want to see a Meg Ryan? Meg Ryan? Um, Is she, maybe she swings by on graduation day. I mean, I would love a Meg. I mean, I would love a Meg Ryan cameo. I mean, I love Meg Ryan. You know, I sure. I'd be down for it. I am curious, just in my own like fan fiction, if uh, if Maverick uh, ever uh, boned uh, <laughs> a Goose's wife. Um, like, it could have happened, man. Maybe both, been, both would have been emotional. I, I mean, but she knows. Like she's telling Kelly McGinnis, it's like that's who Maverick is. He goes and does it. So I guess it's really up to Meg Ryan's character. Um, but I, could, I could see it happening. She seemed like a cool lady. Um, one thing that they've been really, really under wraps or keeping under wraps is, I mean, we know Val Kilmer's in the movie. But at the same time, Val Kilmer really can't speak anymore. Like normally, unfortunately, which is really, really sad because, you know, of his throat cancer and everything. And he has an appearance in this movie. So I'm, I'm curious what that what that's going to look like. And my fear is that we're going to have a moment or something with him. But my fear is Iceman dies due to whatever you know type of complication or something that that's going on. And maybe that's what brings Tom Cruise back into Top Gun. It was kind of like Iceman's kind of dying, whatever is that he want, you know, wanted something for, for Maverick. I don't know. I'm like, again. Okay. Well, well, I mean, we have Maverick. He's the instructor at Top Gun now. Well, didn't he take the job? He, he takes the job because they're 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 orders that were given to him based on the preview that we that we've got that he in the last one he went to top gun but he he served his career and we, i mean if we use the the logic of i mean let's also look at the movie came out in 86 he was a lieutenant so a, a lieutenant that means he probably has been in the military since 82 so you look at 82 to 20 22 that's 40 years probably really not still in the military but if he is still in the military you think he'd be an admiral but in this movie i think he's only a captain so how how has maverick been in the military for a few decades and is still only a captain and not an admiral what's the principal from back to the future who's in this movie oh in uh the first top gun i forget the actor's name which i I feel horrible because i know everything about back to the future but the name is escaping me right now but yeah he's He's uh, kind of like the he's not I don't think he's the CEO of of the aircraft carrier. He just might be like the the flight deck leader or something. I don't know. But he's got some good ones. But at the end, he's like he's just like, how's it feel to have your face on every 
you know, or mm-hmm. he's like, mm-hmm. you could, you know, you could take a job anywhere. Where are you going? He goes, I'm thinking Miramar. Miramar. And he's like, Top Gun. So that's what made me think Maverick could have chose anywhere. He chose to go to Top Gun. Well, I think he, I mean, I think he does meet like right after the events of of the film to be close to the girl. He goes back to Miramar, but who knows whatever happens. Yeah. Uh, this movie, he has another love interest. It's the Admiral's daughter, you know, which is wild to see that. In this film, the Admiral's daughter is going to be the love interest, and that's going to be played by Jennifer Connelly. And if you're listening to this movie, is available now. I mean, it is playing in theaters now, or if you're listening to this three years from the time of recording, it's available on home <laughs> video. Um, and you Certainly. can credit it all back to Top Gun as a result. Yeah. Well, I, hope, uh, I mean, I hope with Val Kilmer, I could, I just uh, hope they do it right, you know. Um, don't leave too long of a scene, but I could see him be either like a beginning of the scene where he's bringing Maverick back because he's dying or whatever. Right. <laughs> so he, he you know, <laughs> I guess he'd have to say like, "Hey, sorry, I got you fired earlier. I've been having your job for the last thirty years, but you know what? We need these guys. These rookies are too. They're too clean. They're too ice cold. What we need you to do is heat it up. You know, they don't know about real dog fighting. And uh, I mean, you're the right guy, Pete Mitchell, to teach these young crop of guys to take them. I guess that's the story, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could be. And I, uh, I'm gonna go check it out. I think we've said all we can say about the movie. It's a it was a fun movie. It was great talking to you. Hope y'all, hope it didn't annoy too many of y'all listening to me. But uh, nah, man, this has been fun. This has been a good yeah, time. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll touch back. Uh, I'll try to go see that movie and uh, call you and just see if we have any talking points because I am excited about it. More excited than Downton Abbey. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for the listeners, thank you, everybody. And I'm sorry that we didn't get a lot of a lot of John singing tonight. I was I was kind of like banking that he was just going to serenade us all night long with uh, with the soundtrack. But that's OK. It's OK. We're not a good time. Not another time. We, this has been a good one. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you, as always, for listening. Please do me a favor. Send a uh, review wherever you listen to podcasts, like, listen, subscribe, tell your friends and uh, you can find us on social media. Stamper Cinema is available on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I've got a Discord channel, and that's uh, that's getting up and running. So thank you to everybody that is on the active Discord, uh, Discord uh, family with me. There's You're links welcome. for that. Next- You're welcome. I'm one of those people. Yes, you are. Yes, <laughs> you are. Stamper Cinema, we're coming, we're coming hard. We're, you know, yeah. we're, we're growing this family and I'm, I'm very, very thankful. This is, this is an exciting time for Stamper Cinema as we're just building uh, all the subscriptions. So thank you everybody that's helped make this possible and uh, keep on doing it. And, you know, before long, John and I are going to be out uh, doing a little beach volleyball. We're going to take on we're going to take on Anthony Edwards and uh, uh, Tom I'm, Cruise. I'm coming to you in, uh, in July, man. Can I, can I come see you? Maybe we'll play then. Boom. Done. Boom. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. Another episode of Stanford Cinema. Bye now.